0: Well, I'm delighted to be with you guys, and it's always an honor when I'm invited uh, to Memphis and especially to the Highland Church, because uh, when Chris calls and says, hey, you want to come to Memphis, I go 901. And so this is a great opportunity for me to kind of live out the message of these few weeks because this church means so much to me personally and then also to the Lipscomb community Good things are happening. God is at work in this place, and so it's a delight for me to be with you today. On the front page of our paper, uh, back the Tennessean this week, one of the lead stories was about the tragedy that happened here in Memphis about the fire and uh, the nine one one call was released and it was in our paper yesterday. And so we in Nashville are grieving with you all over the loss and also the realization of how difficult it is just to know that there were people who longed for help and no help came. And spiritually speaking, I think that's what this series is about. It's about opening our eyes and changing our perspective to realize that we live in a community where there are people longing for someone to show up. It may not be because their house is on fire. It may be because their marriage is or their children are going through a difficult time or there's a hardship or a tragedy, and we all know that we don't know what's happening. My wife is in the business school at Lipscomb, and one of the things uh, she shows students is a Chick-fil-A training video. And what it does is it shows when somebody walks up to the cash register to order, it puts a little caption over their head that just reminds the people that are working there that there's really no idea that you have of what's going on in people's life. So someone walks up to the cash register to order a cup of coffee. It's an older gentleman and it says his wife died this week. This is his first time out of the house. He's never ordered coffee for one before. And all of a sudden, you begin to realize. A little girl walks up and orders ice cream, and it says, her dog died this week. And it was that perspective that helps us to understand how important it is for us to be people who go to our community who show up, who arrive, who try to make a difference right where we are. And I want to take you to Acts chapter 16 to show us how Paul walked and how he went about his life so that divine appointments could happen and he could bump into people who needed the gospel, who needed to be set free. And we're going to work through a lot of slides and we'll do it quickly. But I want you to see Paul's work starting in Acts 16 as he is on mission. He's on go, just as we are. Uh, for the sake of the kingdom. So we start in Acts chapter 16, and what we discover is Paul's on his second missionary journey, and he wants to go, and he's in Turkey, and he's headed north in Turkey, and he thinks for sure that God wants him to go into central Turkey, to go to Galatia, to go to Phrygia, to go to Mysia, to go to all these places we've never heard of before. And he keeps thinking, this is where God wants me. This is where God wants me. But God keeps closing the doors. And so our first big insight... Big insight, God's mission may surprise us because sometimes God has to close doors so that we'll be on mission. Are any of you scratching your head about why you lost your job? Or scratching your head about why you were forced to retire? Or scratching your head about why you didn't make that team or weren't a part of that group? You know, sometimes I get so frustrated because I don't get what I want, but then I discover that that's because God wants to put me on mission. He wants to put me where I can make a difference for the kingdom, and sometimes he has to close doors so that he can put me where he wants me to be. So Paul discovers that his way is blocked, and he keeps looking, and he does what I think we all ought to do more of. Let's look at this next slide. He's in Troas, which, by the way, another name is Troy, uh, the horse and all that. Okay, so he's in Troas. And it tells us that during the night, he has this vision. And the vision is a man from Macedonia saying, Hey, Paul, come over here. Come over here. You think that God wants you in Turkey, but he wants you to take a European cruise across the Aegean sea and GNC Tur- and come to Europe. And so he wakes up and he discovers that, oh, you know what? Sometimes to get back on God's mission, maybe I need to take a nap. No, maybe I need to slow down and listen. Maybe I need to contemplate, why am I here? What does God want for me? And this this series that you're in is a moment for you to reflect. Upon what does it mean personally for me to be on mission? To use my time and my talent, my treasure for kingdom business. And so Paul discovers this for us, that he's got to get back on mission. Next slide. And so uh, this is a a mosaic there of, of Paul taking a nap and God speaking to him and him heading on mission. So the next slide tells us, I think, where he went. Yeah, so it says from Troas, we put out for Samothrace. Then we went to Neapolis. And from Neapolis, we traveled to Philippi. Uh, Look at these slides fast. I want you to see these because this is a tour that I took a group of 50 on from Lipscomb uh, back in March. And we just had the best time. Everybody calls it the trip of a lifetime. And I'm pretty sure we'll do it again in two years. And I just really think you'll ought to see Chris on this trip. Okay, so look at this picture here. This is the modern port of Neapolis. And this is where uh, Paul set foot on European soil for the first time. Look at the next slide. This is a mosaic that is uh, created to symbolize exactly where Paul would have set his foot. And there's actually a block there that dates back to the time of Paul. And so everybody in our group, you know, is getting up there and pretend this is the block. And everybody wants to put their foot up there and get that, ooh, that warm, cozy feeling of I just put my foot where Paul put his foot. And I said to our group, wait a minute. It's not where Paul put his foot, but it's how Paul put his foot. You see, for most of us, when we go somewhere, we go as a tourist, But Paul went as a missionary. He went as somebody who was on a divine appointment. Just as uh, when they landed on the moon, Neil Armstrong put his foot down and he claimed this ground for the United States and he pitched the flag there. Everywhere Paul went and he put his foot down, he was claiming the ground for the kingdom of God. So he wasn't just a tourist, he was claiming this ground for God. And if you're a mall walker, you're claiming the ground for God. When you go to the cafeteria at school, you're claiming the cafeteria for God. The Starbucks, you're claiming it as a place where divine appointments for God take place. Everywhere you go, you're going with a different mindset because I'm here as an advocate for the kingdom of God. And so I begin to see differently, and that's the way Paul was. Everywhere he went was a divine appointment just waiting to happen. And so he wasn't a tourist, he was a missionary, and that's what we are. We are missionaries called to 901, and we realize that there are divine appointments waiting to be had if we'll just open our eyes to them. And so Paul began to walk. And Paul walked the Roman roads, and he headed toward Philippi, and uh, here he was on the Via Ignatia. Yeah, this was a road that was built by the Romans to make travel easy throughout Europe. But what I want you to realize is that Christians... We're all about walking. We're all about the way. Look at this next slide. People of the way walk everywhere. Don't you remember that more than the church was called the Church of Christ, more often in the New Testament, you know what the church was called? People of the way. Followers of the way. Those who are on the way. Does it sound like from the very beginning, God's people were on the move? That they were called to go? Paul is a follower of the way. He's part of a people of the way. And so they're always looking to figure out where does God want us to go next? Because that's what we're all about. And so you'll see all through the book of Acts, they keep talking about followers of the way, people of the way, and that's what we are. Turn to the person next to you and tell them, we're people of the way. Come on, you can do that. We're people of the way. We're on the way. We're on the move because that's what we're about. Paul arrives in Philippi. There's no synagogue. There are very few Jews. It's a military town. And so he asks himself, where would I go to meet searchers? Where would I go to meet people who who care about God, where I might be able to speak to them? And he remembered, oh, yeah, running water. That's where people meet. You remember that song? I went down to the river to pray. This is where that comes from. Philippians, Philip. I mean, Acts chapter 16. So Paul goes down to the river to pray. And when he gets there, there's a crowd. And he says, you guys have been waiting for the fulfillment of Israel. You've been waiting for the one of the promise. Let me tell you all about him. And from there he began to tell them about Christ and about what Christ can do, the hope that was found in him, the consolation of Israel, the promise that God has revealed in Jesus Christ. And there was a woman named Lydia from Thyatira who was just visiting there for a long extended stay. And she said, can I be a follower? He said, absolutely. And he welcomed her into the waters of baptism. Look at this next picture. This is the baptistry there in Philippi, uh, running water right outside of town. Lydia became the first convert in Europe right here. And so Paul stayed at her house and discipled her, but Paul wasn't just satisfied to be with searchers. He also went into the marketplace right in the center of the town. He was a tent maker and he began to get to know the city and the way it worked. He was a businessman and he met business people and he thought like a businessman and he wasn't afraid to take the gospel of Christ into the marketplace. Yeah, this is a picture of a backgammon table that's actually carved into the floor. Soldiers would sit and watch the shops and they'd play backgammon. Can you picture Paul sitting down saying, I got next. That's what we do because we want to get to know our neighbors. We barbecue and we grill and we play backgammon and we do the things that we do to meet our neighbors. But he was a part of the marketplace. And one day there was this woman and she's trapped because a demon possesses her life. And she's got no hope and she goes around and her owners realize that she's a fortune teller. And so they're making a fortune off of her telling people, Uh, the future and she's following paul around and she's saying these people are followers of the most high and they're telling you the way that you can be saved and that sounds great except she's a lousy spokesmodel for the way of christ and so finally paul just couldn't take it anymore and he said in the name of jesus come out of her and the demon left her and she was set free And Murphy's Law kicked in no good deed goes unpunished. Because her owners realized they had just lost their fortune teller and they'd lost their fortune. So they dragged Paul, speak for Christ in the marketplace. Next picture. They dragged Paul before the magistrate. And they trumped up charges, and he was thrown into prison. And this is a picture of the prison cell where we believe Paul was thrown into prison. Macedonian call, come to Philippi. I've led Lydia to the Lord. I've set this demon-possessed woman free. God, what am I doing in a prison cell with these chains around my ankle? in this musky, dark, damp, smelly place, what did I do? Here's Paul and Silas's attitude. It says it's about midnight, and they're singing praises to God. They're offering hymns. Stephen Curtis Chapman wrote a song, What Kind of Joy Is This? that counts it a blessing to suffer? What kind of joy gives a prisoner a song? What kind of joy stares death in the face and sings a victory? A song of a soul that's forgiven and free. And what you discover about Paul and Silas is that even with chains on their ankles in the dark recesses of a prison, they're the most free people in Philippi because they know the Lord Jesus They know the purpose for their life. They know that God hasn't abandoned them. They know that they're on mission. And so everything is going God's way. And they're praising and singing songs. And you know what all the other prisoners are doing? Amy's going to tell you how you can reach your neighborhood without being weird. But Paul and Silas, they were different, but not weird. And everybody looked at them and thought, I want what they have. I want what they have. I don't get it, but I want it. And all of a sudden, an earthquake comes. Yeah, this earthquake came and shook the prison, and the shackles fell off, and the doors opened up, and all the prisoners are set free, and they've got run of the joint, and the jailer wakes up from his slumber and realizes... There's an escape happening, and he's in this dark, damp, musky place. He can't see anything, and he thinks life is hopeless. How many people do you know like that today? Inside of your bulletin that was handed to you is an insert that reminds you that September is suicide prevention month. It reminds you that it's the number three cause of death both in high school and college, that somebody's taking their life every 15 minutes. And it's happening because people feel trapped. They feel alone. They feel like there's no way out. They feel like there's no other option available to them and they can't see far enough into the future to have any hope at all. And this jailer, Feels that way. He picks up a knife and he's about to run himself in. And Paul says these important words that are the church's words for the world today Do yourself no harm. We're all still here. Do yourself no harm. We're all still here. the jailer turns on the lights and realizes none of the prisoners have left. And then he turns to Paul and says, what must I do to be saved? Believe in the Lord Jesus, you and your entire household. And you'll be saved. So the jailer takes Paul and washes his wounds and then Paul takes the jailer and his family and washes them each and the blood of the lamb. A picture of the baptistry that represents that is shown here. What we discover is that there's a perspective that people have who don't know Christ, who don't have hope, who don't know what the future holds and they don't know who holds the future. And what they desperately need is someone to go. Lydia. Her life was changed, her family was changed, the city of Thyatira was changed because Paul had a divine appointment with her at the water's edge. A demon-possessed woman was set free, put back in her right mind, given the life that she always longed for because of Paul. A jailer was spared. And instead of taking his life, he gave his life for a purpose greater than himself, he and his entire household. All because Paul knew the way to walk. And he knew to go. And when we go and we claim the ground for Christ, divine appointments happen, people are changed, and life is never the same again. And so my challenge to you, is to be a missionary and to go. I carry a Fitbit with me everywhere I go. I've got it clipped right to my belt back here. And the reason I carry it around is because my wife makes me. And she makes me because I've got to have 10,000 steps every day in order for our insurance thing to kick in. We get $300 if I do my 10,000 steps every day. So there are days I come to the end of the day, I've got 8,500 steps and my wife will say, "Uh, -uh, you gotta get to 10,000. And so I'm sitting there in front of the TV, you know, doing doing this, kind of trying to watch to see if I can get it up to 10,000 steps. It's silly. I've even contemplated clipping the Fitbit to our dachshund and letting him run around the house, you know? I haven't done it yet, I promise, okay? But behind all of that is this whole idea, I've got to get my 10,000 steps, but here's a better question. It's not did you get your 10,000 steps, but what did you do with your 10,000 steps? Who did you meet? Whose life was touched? What shut in, got a visit? What do we do? God's calling us to go 901 and reminding us that the world will be changed when we do. Lydia gave her life to Christ. The demon-possessed woman was set free. The jailer discovered hope when he had no hope. And you may be there today as well. And so we're offering an invitation. If you've never given your life to Christ, if you've never entered into the waters of baptism, today's the day to do that. Don't wait. If you have... But you're living without hope. You need the prayers of the church. You don't feel like you can go until God comes and reclaims the ground of your heart. However we can minister to you, that's why we're here, and we encourage you to come as we stand and sing this song together. This is my desire to to honor